on the wrestling podcast about nothing. We've all heard the chants. Now we're going to talk about the moments in wrestling that actually deserve it. To help me, Brian Fury is still here, and holy sh! It's the WPAN debut of the Ray. Plus, your promo about nothing and so much more. But first, tell him, George. I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's nothing like this one. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dimension? This is the wrestling podcast about nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Welcome to the wrestling podcast about nothing episode 175, a production of Crackpot Podcasts. My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast, currently on an extended hiatus from the ring, and not joining me as always is a veteran of the New England Independent Matt Wars. He is a contractor bring about a wrestler, one half of the bouncers, Brawl Daddy, Brian Malonis. No kingpin again this week. He is out getting Brawl Daddy trademarked, I'm sure. But for the first time, three weeks in a row, that this is a definite, three weeks in a row, the first time is the owner and proprietor of the New England Pro Wrestling Academy, the owner and operator and promoter we've established of Chaotic Wrestling, the firebrand, the permanent guest host of the wrestling podcast about nothing, Brian Fury. Hello, sir. Hi, Michael. This is, I'm, I'm getting comfortable here. I'm liking this. I think the kingpin uh, or the brawler, whatever he's called now, is going to have to uh, fight me to take this seat back. Yeah, and, and you're feeling very comfortable. You're, you're not warm at all. You're just... Uh... <laughs> you yelled at me about the fan being on on the other side of the room, and I had to turn it off, and it's now 2,000 degrees in my living room, sweating like crazy. Well, I mean, I have someone in my house telling me that it's fall already. It's August still. I know. You get like three days of cold weather, and she's all like, oh, she got out the winter clothes, basically. <laughs> and what did she do today when it was like 80? It was 80? Yes. Uh, she was uh, indoors, mostly. And yeah, well, that makes sense, yes. So uh, we have someone joining us, Brian Fury, this yes. week on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. This guy has avoided being on this podcast for over three years. We made attempts, and then we just ended up giving up. But I guess since he has the summer off from For the Pops, the podcast with James Jabikowski and Scotty Slade, I guess he's finally uh, got the free time to come and join us here on the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. This is one half of the Metro Met. Well, probably one-eighth. One-eighth? One-fifth? One-sixth? Something? Something like that. Of the Metro Men. He is the Ray. Hello, Ray. I was a founding member of the Metro Man. I'll have you know. Hello. How are you? you? No, no, no. You were like the third one in. All right. But the other guy only worked like two shows. So so, so really, I was a founding member. And and I was the the longest member. I'll have you know as well. And that was with uh, current WWE superstar Mike Kanellis, right? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't going to say that. I didn't want to. I didn't want to drop that name. Sorry. I'll do it for you. That's that make that makes Thank it right. You. That makes it okay. Thank you. Also, uh, you are a tag team partner of Max Smashmaster, who has been a past guest here on the podcast. How is your relationship with him? 
No, it's it's fine. It's it's wonderful. He's uh, I haven't spoken to him since he become Max Smash. Whatever you just said, uh, he at the time he was still the Shane. So that's that. That was true. I forgot about him. Forgot he was the other half. The other eighth. Yeah. The other eighth. Yeah. Sorry. Can we uh, can we also break kayfabe and say that uh, the Ray was also one of Los Conquistadores in WFA as well? I did work as one of those guys as well. Well, I was I would work how many times? I would work multiple times a night, uh, and that actually the, the Los Conquistadores I enjoyed more thinking about it now because I got to throw tacos at people. Yes, multiple tag matches a night because they didn't dare put you in singles. <laughs> Absolutely not. I was too good. I'd, I'd take everything away from Steve. <laughs> Weren't you one of the Los Conquistadores as well, Brian? I was one of the original ones back when they did in AWA for Jeff Costa, yes. When those suits were brand new and like gold and shiny. And by the time they got to Ray and Anthony, they weren't gold anymore. They were like orangey, yellowy. They were disgusting. They were awful. Yeah. I hated them. Really hot in those suits. Kind of not unlike what it is right now in my living room. Sweating. I'm trying not to pass out in my house. So just like uh, Brian Fury is our go-to guy here on the Wrestling Podcast about nothing, Ray, you're the go-to guy of uh, for the pops. Is that correct? That's correct. That's correct. It's uh, I am uh, the third member, I guess, when they need somebody. But I'm uh, uh, we're coming back in the fall, I guess. I hope. I we really know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. We we come back in the fall. The new fall season. Don't forget about the other podcast. Which one's that? Uh, you know, truth. Justice in New England way. Is that it? The New England pro wrestling way. You don't even know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I like to shorten it up. I don't like to just say the whole thing. <laughs> You're a part of that one too? No, I mean, no, I'm just saying you guys should maybe, maybe check to say that one. You haven't said that one yet. You're kind like of an, Ray's kind of like an associate producer. Like he's in the I, background, I like kind of helping out true. with some source material and whatnot. No, that's not true. If you can't tell out there, Brian and Ray have known each other for a very long time. They worked together in Steve Bradley's promotion, WFA. Brian Fury, how would you describe the Ray to the people out there? His feet are amazing. Like, they just got a pedicure yesterday. He he is a major germaphobe, yet he is, uh, how do I say this? Handsome. Uh, One of the dirtiest people I know, which is weird. <laughs> that's not true. That's not true. None of that's true. The feet, maybe. The feet is true, but the dirty part, no. And the, and the germaphobe, yes, that's true. I just don't like people spit in my mouth. All right. It's <laughs> understandable, I guess. <laughs> so, do you have any embarrassing stories about the Ray Brian Fury that we can exploit here? There was oh, this no. time at Fuddruckers. No. <laughs> we went on to eat. It was this me, Ray, true. and Scotty Slade. And. Like I said, Ray is a germaphobe, and he just grabbed my drink by accident, and he started drinking out of my straw. And I was just looking at him, going, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And when he realized he was drinking from my straw, he started, like, uncontrollably gagging and, like, almost vomiting right there. Yeah, it was like, I didn't realize it at the time, what was going yeah, on. Yeah, he was really gross out. And then he, like, ran to the bathroom. This, this isn't true. No, that's not true. And then when I went back into the bathroom about three minutes after he came back, there was shit all over the floor of the bathroom. None of that's true. None of, None that's, of that's there true. Was, there was shit all over the floor, but you had shit all over the floor. That's why there was shit on the floor. I was no. out there playing air hockey with Scotty. No, that was you, Ray. 
So you went in there, Brian Fury, and you said, holy shit. <laughs> yes. This is an wow. amazing segue there. You had a holy shit moment. <laughs> well, before we get into the holy shit moments, Ray, I just want to acknowledge that you were the one who broke my back and I haven't been the same since. <laughs> That's only because you did the deadlift wrong. I was trying to help you and put a little muscle on you. And I, apparently I, I ruined you for life. Yeah, I was a gym going lad for quite a number of years. And uh, I went with Ray one time where he was in this phase where he was you're doing like powerlifting stuff, right? I was. I was training to powerlift in competitions and stuff, yeah. So you decided to show me how to deadlift. I was trying to help you out. I mean, I kind of knew what I was doing, so I felt like I should be showing other people. <laughs> I think probably the mistake was I tried to do the same weight that you did. It was probably not the best idea for your first time. No, absolutely not. Come to find out, though, I was listening to a Joe Rogan podcast. You shouldn't be doing deadlifts at all. Really? Yeah. They go back and forth on that type of thing all the time. They'll, well, don't do don't do squats. Don't do deadlifts. Don't do this. Don't do that. As long as you're doing things correctly, you're okay. Crockett shouldn't be doing deadlifts. Right. The, the, yeah. <laughs> the problem is Crockett didn't do them correctly, and then he has limped around like a 90-year-old man ever since. And it's been like, what, eight, nine years? I just remember after the gym, we went back to your house, Fury, and I sat down on the couch. We were doing whatever or watching whatever, and I went to get up, and I literally, like, crumbled <laughs> and that's where it all began. That was the downfall. Then the weight yeah. started pouring on. <laughs> Onto the bar. Onto the bar because you kept deadlifting. <laughs> no, never deadlifted again. Oh, okay. No, I thought that's what you meant. No, yeah. That was <laughs> one and done. Crockett, it used to be a size medium. Hey, that happens. Now I'm not. There's no reason to harp on it. Let's, there's let's there's more Crockett to love. <laughs> well, Brian, how would you describe the Ray as a pro wrestler? Amazing hot tag. Just ask Les Thatcher. Really? There was an issue? There wasn't an issue. We went down and trained with Les Thatcher for a week. And we were doing this tag team thing. And I took the heat and I made the tag to Ray. And Ray blew the hot tag. And so Les legit made him redo the hot tag no less than like 15 to 20 times until he finally got it right and did it correctly. It was like 45 minutes of the same hot tag over and over because he wouldn't <laughs> work it. He wouldn't work it. He would go one, two, three, four, five and turn around. Oh, what the fuck? Get out of the ring. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. And this is fucking going on for 40 minutes with some Australian kid who's built like a brick shit house is hopping over the rope each fucking time. And I get to sit there blown up from the fifth time. And every time it looked worse. Oh. <laughs> it wasn't my fault. I'd make the tag to you. And then he would just look at me, <laughs> not like while counting and just shaking his head because he knows you're messing it up again. <sighs> it was bullshit. It was bullshit. It's called working, brother. You had five seconds to get out of the ring and Les wouldn't work. He'd turn around and then he'd count you to disqualify you. And that'd be it. <laughs> They'd be like, dude, come on, help me out here. Count like one, Mississippi. No, one, two, and then just turn around. He's trying to screw me. He's by the book. I like it. He's a good guy, though, a good guy. And when it comes to wrestling, Ray was a good guy. He uh, wrestled through injuries and stuff, and he had that major injury that pretty much ended his career, the uh, arm injury that kind of put him out of commission. How did that happen, Ray? Okay, so I, I, I jumped off the top rope, 
I was trying to go for that stupid move. Uh, the Dudley Brothers, the what's up? They they put the the, the legs back, and I go for the headbutt. <laughs> yeah, and but, so like but, I was, but, but but Ray, you got to you got to in context here. You I were you were a conquistador. Stupid... Yeah, I and so what that. would you yell to the crowd instead of what's up? Uh, was it que pasa? Como esta or something, right? Yeah, and then you know, no, I didn't know what I was saying any of the time, so I would just say como esta, que pasa, and then. I would launch myself across the ring, and it worked every time, except for this time. My partner brought him too far, and I overshot, and I ended up coming down on my arm and breaking it. And the bone popped through the 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 skin, was pushing out of the skin, and I continued the match. So so that was good. And then I got in the back, and I ended up getting yelled at because uh, I ended up touching the cage that they were supposed to use later on that night. <laughs> and I didn't even do, I like I just brushed it. I think I maybe pushed the hit the guy. Like I couldn't move my arm, so I was trying to think of things to do. And I went back, and Steve said, uh, "Is it all right?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm holding my arm. I, I think it's fine." And he goes, "The fucking cage." I was like, "Jesus, no, I don't know." You hit the cage. That's for the fucking main event. And he's screaming at me with my fucking hand. My arm is almost falling off my elbow. And so I walked downstairs, and that's it. He never said anything else about it. He was a good guy, too, but it just, I can understand what he was saying. I was ruining the main event. I get it now. <laughs> so would you say, based on you know the move that you were ripping off there, would you say you got what you deserved? <laughs> I got what I deserved, absolutely, for doing that stupid move anyway. Okay, that's good. At least we agree on that. Absolutely. All right, so before we get to the holy shit moments, let's talk about brianmalonis.com, right? The place where you get your Brian Malonis merchandise. All the t-shirts, including the beer, 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 more beer shirt that's on both of your guys' wish lists, right? What is it? brianmalonis.com? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going there right now. Are you behind here? No, I didn't know it was a .com. I'm buy a shirt right now. Go on. Keep going. You're going to buy the beer, beer, beer shirt, right? That's probably not the one I'm going to go with first, but I seen the one where he has the uh, the the elephant with the horns. What was it? Uh, it's a, mas- a mas- mastodon. Mastodon, that's right. I, I like that one. You know what? I might buy that one. All right, let us know how that goes. Or you could buy the Curtain Jerker WPAN t-shirt. What do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, you should just be giving me that for free since I'm on the show, right? It's <laughs> a lovely parting gift for you. <laughs> You're welcome. See what we can do about that. So BrianMalonis.com, that's where you go for all of your Brian Malonis t-shirt needs. And then there's the WPAN.com. That is the WPAN.com, our hub, our home base, the official website of the wrestling podcast about nothing. That's where you can find the ways to subscribe to the wrestling podcast about nothing, all the various podcast platforms, including Spotify, iHeartRadio, hopefully coming soon to Pandora. We'll see about that. Hey. Also, you can find the social media links there. Follow us at the WPAN of basically all social media platforms. Then there are bios there. Uh, Brian, I'm still waiting for your bio to put on the website. Yeah, my webmaster will get it to you. (laughs) (laughs) We did talk about the webmaster last week of the New England Processing Academy website. He went unmentioned. Yeah, he's a good guy. Is that that guy that made the really nice site for the school, right? That brings all the business in? Yep. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, that's, that's exactly nice. what I say about it. Yeah. Good job. You know, Brian Malone has an IMDb. This is amazing. Go on. Sorry about that. Congratulations to Sasha Banks, by the way, for winning the uh, WWE Women's Championship. She did win it. She certainly did. <laughs> and uh, so there are photos there as well on the WPAN.com. And I want to mention something. Ray, you might not be aware of this, mm-hmm. but uh, we used to be a part of BDA Radio. 
when BDARadio.com shut down, they redirected to our website, the WPAN.com. And on that old website, the BDA website, there are a lot of photos there of women, MMA fighters, models, surfers, very uh, tastefully done, scantily clad photos. Some granny biceps. Old lady biceps, too. But uh, when people are putting in these search terms, they're hoping to get to these photos. But since that website no longer exists, they end up going (laughs) to our website and uh, become severely disappointed. So I'm going to share with you guys some search terms that were used that ended up bringing people to our website. So here is the first one. Hottest Jen Hayward. So this woman, Jen Hayward... I guess they want the hottest Jen Hayward. Maybe there are multiple Jen Haywards, Brian? Holy shit. Uh, yeah, I mean, possibly, yeah. So they want the hottest Jen Hayward. So that's that's something. Jen Hayward. Yeah, okay. All right. Okay, how about this search term? Give me a second here. I got to get through this name. Lena Ovchinokova. Oh, Jesus. Lena Ovchinokova. Oops. <laughs> Boops? No, oops. O O P S. Guys, oh. listen, Jen Hayward is a dime. <laughs> you're behind. You got to get ahead, right? Sorry, sorry. Go on. Oops. Go on. Oops. You're saying you definitely found the hottest Jen Hayward. I found the hottest Jen Hayward. Okay. Oops. So, oops. So, I'm assuming what? Maybe some sort of uh, nip slip or something along those lines? I would think so. I'd actually looked this one up before we uh, came on the air today. And Lena yeah. of Chikanova of Chinikova is an MMA fighter. She's uh, okay. fought in Bellator. And I couldn't find anything in terms of an oops, though. So I'm not sure what this is, but yeah, no, maybe it was you're thinking you're thinking naughty. Let's just think wholesome. Maybe she like messed up like a takedown attempt or something and like slipped oops. in the octagon or something, you know? Oops. That could be it. You may be right. Uh, but instead, you know, they didn't find Elena Ochevilakova. Oops, but maybe they found like uh, Brian Malone's nip slip or something like that. Oh, all right. I can't. Maybe find the it, oops so. is how you're saying her name. Probably. Uh, the next search term that was put on, that was put in, that brought people to the WPAN.com, UFC ring girls, camel toe. <laughs> wow. Nice. <laughs> all right. All right. What's wrong with that? I guess nothing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, nothing. No no specific name there. Huh? Just any old ring girl will do. Any old ring girl. All right. So, so uh, anyone putting that search term in right now? I got it in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I just a bunch of chicks standing around uh, looking at their can. They don't look like they nothing special. Yeah, it's not. It's not gross. Oh, wait, here's one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is a nice one. This is a good one. But that's it. I mean, it's not it's not dirty. Oh, wait, hold on. Look, uh, I found, what's his name? Sammy Lane. What? <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah, all right. She was a UFC ring girl? Uh, 25 worst camel toes ring girl. in history. No, that's her. It's a camel toe history. I'm looking at it right now. Looking at the history of camel toes. This is all right. <laughs> she was a part of it, huh? I guess so. It's a happening. Happily <laughs> part of it. <laughs> She's part of it. Uh, all right, here's the next search term. Oh, my goodness. I think, Brian, you probably put this one in. <laughs> Hot female bodybuilders wearing dresses. Oh, oh yeah. that's a Brian that's a, one. That's a long thing to search for. Hot yeah. female bodybuilders wearing dresses. 
Are you saying that you didn't, you haven't put that in in your life? You haven't put that search term in? If I were to come across something like that, sure, I'd take a gander, but it's not like I'm ever oh, searching oh. for something that's specific. You have an, an affinity for the female bodybuilder form, do you not? I'm not denying that at all. In dresses. In dresses, though. <laughs> Definitely Oops. in dresses. Not nude. Preferably in dresses. Because that way, you know, if they're in a dress, there's no camel toe. Full circle. Full circle. <laughs> See? It's a callback. We're helping you out, Crockett. Finally, guys. All right. Speaking of dresses. All right. The final search term that I have this week. Oh, all right. Is simply whore dress. <laughs> whore dress. Yeah. That's it, huh? Whore dress. Someone put that in the search bar. You whore? think maybe because it's getting closer to Halloween, someone's like shopping? <laughs> And maybe you came across cool. something? Well, that could be it, huh? Four dresses, red bubble. Etsy. I got some Etsy. I don't see WPAN. No, yeah. <laughs> I, I I still am trying to figure out how people get these search terms to end up at our website. Like how deep, how many pages deep are they going before they find the link to there? But yeah, I mean, yeah, four dresses. Uh-oh. Man, that BDA radio was a hell of a sight. It sure was. Maybe it'll make a comeback. Who knows? They would really clean up in terms of the various dresses and Campbell toes and hot broads and oops. Right, Ray? (laughs) Oops. All right. The WPAN.com. It is the most disappointing website on the internet. (laughs) And let's talk, guys. There's that chant, that ever so present chant that we hear. A lot nowadays. You fucked up. You fucked up. Not that one. Boring. Not that one either, Ray. Fight forever. (laughs) Not that that one a couple times, Brian? (laughs) No. Well, the chant is, you know, the holy S blank, blank, blank chant. Oh, okay. Oh, Oh, you were spelling it out. Yeah, so you're not going to say holy shit. That's weird. That's what the title of the show is. No, it'll have like an asterisk in there, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can't really put it in the title of the show because uh, it will get uh, rejected in some places. Got it. Got it. Yes. So anyway, we're going to talk today about holy <laughs> moments. <laughs> some of the moments in wrestling and history that just kind of blew your mind. I guess it could be into the ring, it could be out of the ring. And it's all leading to our number one holy moments. And this is hotly uh, contested because before we went on the air, these guys are all worried that everyone's going to take each other's moments. So we don't know what's going to end up being our number ones. Yeah, I have a big long list here, and I just hope nobody chooses the number one that I have. But I have a backup just in case. Yeah. Ray is very nervous. My list kind of sucks, but I mean, I'm also hoping we don't overlap because the only good ones I have, I'm worried about you taking. Who wants to throw the first one up there? I'm going to give it to Ray just because Uh, he's so. uh... All right. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. All right. Yeah. Go. So now, I mean, this whole, the holy thing, it's like, it's subjective though, right? Sure. It's however you want to interpret it. All right. So here's, here's the, here's my, here's like one of my, one of my easy ones. Uh, and for me, at this time, when this happened, this was crazy to me. And it also, the reason, one of the other reasons is about because of the person uh, that that happened with. Uh, so I think it was, 
it was a 90, a 96. So you guys remember Shotgun Saturday Night, right? Oh, 97. Yeah. It was 97. Shotgun Saturday Night. It was so. Okay. It, of course. The Malena incident when she took her thing off. <laughs> now, I, listen, so I 100% thought it was real for most of my life until I got to be older and I found out that it wasn't real and she had stuff covering it. But at the time, I was wearing that Marlena shirt, the one where a gold dust was like covering <laughs> her chest. I would wear that all the time and like people would give me looks. And so I was just a Marlena fan. So I thought at the time, she just like showed her, you know, showed her tits or whatever. And <laughs> apparently she didn't. I got worked. But uh, yeah, for me, I would tell people about that. And that's the only thing about Shotgun <laughs> Saturday Night that I ever remember. <laughs> oh, wait, that and Perry Saturn when he kicked the shit out of that guy. But that's it. <laughs> You'd walk around telling people about I was. Marlena that, showing that, her tits. Well, because, okay, because I also got to kiss her uh, <laughs> after a show. She was with uh, Meat and Jackie when they were doing that gimmick. Yeah, and, PMS. Uh, Pretty mean sisters. <laughs> they were walking by us at like an Applebee's and like uh, Meat was walking first, Sean Stasiak. And I said, uh, hey, can I have uh, your autograph? And it was to her, but I wasn't even paying attention. And he was like, yeah, sure. And I was like, no, I'm sorry to, to her. And he was real hot that I did that. It was like a thing. <laughs> and she was like, oh, and she was awesome. So she sat down with us and she, she talked and everything. And then uh, when she left, uh, they were telling her, my friends, how much I liked her. And she was talking about how some promoter baked cookies. I don't know. And then when she left, she gave me a kiss on the cheek. And that was like the biggest moment of my life to that particular point. And the fact that I saw her naked on Shotgun Saturday night, sort of. <laughs> how young of a fella were you at this time? Uh, 16? 15? Oh, really? Yeah. For people who don't remember Shotgun Saturday night, at least in the beginning, they did it from like small nightclubs in New York City. The and, Mirage. Yeah, this is one of the first episodes. Marlena got up on the apron. The future Terry Runnels. Well, I mean, she was Terry Runnels the whole time. But Marlena, uh, Goldust's manager, she got up on the apron with her back to the hard cam and pulled down her, her dress. And little Ray just uh, went bananas <laughs> and assumed she was I did. showing her. I stayed up late that night. <laughs> he did, yeah, because it was on like at midnight, yep. uh, all around the country, syndicated. But uh, yeah, sh- you see the uh, photos in the years since. She had like I don't know, look like wax wrap paper or something, or something yeah. over her breasts. So yeah, there was no wax paper. Exposure. This is before internet too. That's the other thing. People think it's like, oh, who cares? Not a big deal. At the time, it was a big deal. It was real. It was real to me. Damn it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, do you have something as scandalous as that, Brian Fury, on your list? Well, I have oh. something scandalous, but I'll save that for later. That you know, that might be my number one. We'll see. Oh, all right. Um, but let's see. Uh, if I'm gonna go back, let's see. I'm, I have three that are older. Let's go this one right here. Barbershop window. We all know what oh. happens when when that gets said. Shawn Michaels throwing Marty Jannetty through the barbershop window was definitely a holy shit moment. Uh, it lives in infamy. It's something that gets referenced still to this day, whether it's, oh, are you who's the Shawn Michaels of the tag team or, you know, something along those lines. But that was definitely a holy shit moment that will live in infamy forever in my mind. And he did not super kick him through the window. No, super kick him no. and then he threw him. And he then threw he threw him. him. I've had heard of the way with the super kick. But it's not that's a uh, that's a Mandela effect for some people. No, it's not. <laughs> All right, I'll give you my first holy shit moment. There we go. Let me just get this one off the table because this is one that comes to mind for a lot of people, and I don't want to go the obvious route. I don't want to 
you know, just do the same thing that everyone else is doing when talking about holy shit moments. It was a big holy shit moment. Don't get me wrong, but let's come up with something a little more unique for this podcast here. So I'm going to get it off the table, get rid of it right off the bat. Mick Foley off hell of the cell. King of the Ring 1998. Yeah, that's usually the first thing that comes to everybody's mind. Yeah, so let's just get it off the table because we can do better than that here on the Wrestling Podcast. About nothing. Not saying that it wasn't a holy shit moment. It was definitely, I actually didn't see it live, but it was like the talk of the what? world beyond, beyond even the internet. It was like the talk of the world uh, the day after. And I remember going to the library because I didn't have uh, internet at the time <laughs> to, go, to read about it. because you Hopped know, on the, to AOL, did you? Yeah, just because the video, you couldn't even really get a video of it like you can today. Like, you know, 10 minutes later, the video's online. I could just, I would read about the description of it from, from various people. And yeah, I was I didn't see the pay-per-view, but uh, of course it was, you know, one of the most infamous moments in uh, wrestling history. How'd you feel about the uh, whole Hell in the Cell thing with Mick Foley and The Undertaker, Ray? I remember watching it and thinking, uh, because it was like the Attitude Era, and that was right around the time where I was super into that type of wrestling. Uh, and just seeing the tooth through the nose was always the craziest thing for me. Even now, I guess, when you see when that tooth come through the nose uh, and, and not really knowing what it is at the time, and be like, okay, and then finding out it was a tooth. Uh, it was crazy. Super, yes. That was definitely a holy shit. And it's still like, I don't even think he knows whether it like went through the back of his mouth and came out through his nose or if it came out and ended up back in his nose. I don't think he even knows how that actually ended up happening. That initial throw off, like the night it happened, I remember just being in shock. I was at my friend's house and we were watching it and they kept showing all the different replays and it like felt forever before the match kept going again. There was that one replay from like way up the top of the building that was so far away. You could just really see just how far he flew, and it was insane. And, of course, uh, Mick Foley says that the second bump was worse than that, the one through the top of the cell onto the ring, the, the chairly terrible uh, WWF ring. And, yeah, the chair came down and kind of hit him in the head on the way down as well. That couldn't have helped the matters. but that, that bump was way worse, but I still don't believe anybody that says that second one wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah, that's the narrative, isn't it? That that wasn't supposed to go that way. He still says to this day the second bump wasn't supposed to happen. I mean, they, they, he choke slammed him right over the opening. And it, yeah, I mean, and it flung open. I don't see how it could have not been planned that way. Ray, what's your take? Are you a part of this conspiracy theory? No, I think it was absolutely planned. Why wouldn't it be planned? You think gonna close? You think he was gonna choke slam him from the top of that cage, and you think he wasn't gonna go through? Absolutely not. Come on, he knew, planned. Well, Ray, how you feeling about your list now? You got something else you can share in uh, terms of a holy sh- moment? Uh, <laughs> all right, I'm working on this. See, guys, you guys are a little a little bit different. So when I get this text message this mo- uh, this afternoon, I was told. A lot of uh, you didn't have to be in ring. You gave me a couple no. of different examples. Doesn't so, have you to know. be no. All right. So uh, some of my things aren't all in ring. This one, uh, this one is in ring though. So let's get to that. <laughs> this is when I was a kid. So again, context: a kid. Uh, but it, this was still a holy <laughs> moment for me. Uh, and then, and, and I went back and rewatched it. It's kind of lame. 
the Papa Shango feud with the Ultimate Warrior. And anything he did with Ultimate Warrior was lighting <laughs> his foot on fire. Or he make, and I know it wasn't fully getting thrown off the top of the cage, but at like six, you're, that's holy shit. I really thought this guy was possessed. When he was making him puke and stuff that you're talking I, about? Yeah, I went to my teacher that when I saw that, that because it was like on a Saturday show. And I went to my <laughs> teacher that like Monday and I was telling her about it. And she, that bitch, was telling me it's not real. And I was, okay, lady. That's how I felt <laughs> at that time. So she tried, but not a chance. Uh, uh, but yeah, that to me, that was crazy. Holy, Holy shit. shit. This guy's possessed. He got a little string from his boot. Uh, and then possessed him there. And then the, when he let the other guys fire, a uh, foot on fire in the <laughs> ring, that, that messed with me too. <laughs> My holy shit, shit, shit moments get better, by the way. <laughs> I sure hope so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, was this a holy shit moment or a, that's kind of weird moment? Holy shit, I'm six. What do you mean this is old? I'm, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't the night Kamono want to lay a dance to top the ECW arena, but for a <laughs> You son of a bitch. <laughs> Snuck it in there. That was on my list. Gotcha. <laughs> I was gonna do the voice and everything. Hey, you know what? GB. Gotcha. Either way, that was it was, it was holy shit. Ultimate Warriors possessed. Crazy. Remember holy when he shit. he sweat black? Yeah, yeah the black the, ooze. That was one of the things Papa Shango was doing too. Mm-hmm. He couldn't do it off the head for mean gene. It came down out of his sleeve. Yes, that's true. Did it affect you? No effect? When you were a kid that you didn't care? You thought wrestling, you thought that was just a normal thing? Some guy possesses another dude? You thought that was when, normal? Um, Ray, when Papa Shango was yeah. on TV, Crockett was like 21, so... Oh, God, yeah. Sorry. <sighs> I am just... Okay. Well, that... Okay. Sorry, Crockett. Okay, Fury. Let's uh, up the, the holy uh, shit factor here. What do you got on your list? I mean, I got a, this is a long list here. So how about this was fairly recently, a couple of years ago, Survivor Series. Goldberg right. defeating Brock Lesnar in under a minute. That was a 100% holy shit moment. Everybody was talking about that match. Everybody was talking about how wasn't sure how it was going to go. Goldberg's first match back in forever. And they finally got Goldberg right in the WWE. And they did it against one of the biggest and best competitors in the past five, ten years of WWE, Brock Lesnar. That was 100% a holy shit moment. How many things do you have on your list, Brian? Oh, my <laughs> God. One, two, three, four, five, six, like 15. Oh, Jesus. Brian's list is vastly different than my list. <laughs> <laughs> Here's just just... Tits and possession. Big tits. <laughs> Big tits. <laughs> <laughs> Are you disagreeing with that being a holy shit moment? That's a huge holy shit moment. I mean, I'm just saying, like, overall in pro wrestling history, is that really, like, even top 15, like you have on your list there? Yeah, I thought we were going to way different, like, my, the warrior Papa Shango was way more holy shit than that moment. I don't know about that, Ray. What else would you like me to say? You want me to throw another one out there? He's possessed. Yeah, throw another one out there. You got a long list there. What about the Hardy Boys return at WrestleMania? Uh, all right. Holy shit. <laughs> you tell me that wasn't a huge holy shit moment? Yeah. The crowd shit. went crazy. Yeah. Holy shit. That was oh a good God. one. <laughs> I liked it. Marlene's tits. 
You know what? Crockett got away with not even doing a real one, a real first one, by the way. He just threw a softball out there and said, we can't use that one and didn't actually use one. Okay. You want me to give you a real one? Yeah. Yeah. Please. Actually, it's something that concerns myself and Brian Fury because it happened in 2008. Okay. We were sitting at adult Mark's house watching the Royal Rumble and number 30 in the Royal Rumble that year was a man returning from injury months ahead of schedule. No one, absolutely no one knew this was going to happen. This was a good moment. But John Cena returned, Madison Square Garden, the Royal Rumble 2008, number 30 in the Rumble that year, ended up winning. No one knew that he was going to be there. He was going to be back. There's that iconic you know, shot of him, and he looks up. And he's in the aisle there, the, the old school MSG aisle way. That was a big moment, uh, not only because of Cena's return early from injury, but because it caused me to win the Rumble pool that year over Brian Fury. You're known for that. I think you did it a couple of years in a row, you son of a bitch. But yeah, that, that was that was an awesome. That, that was very, very awesome. Not going to lie. I'm not going to shit on your holy shit moment like everybody has mine, but it was a very good one. Good job, Crockett. Thank you. Ray, what did you think of that? Holy shit. Right? <laughs> exactly. I love that moment. No, it's one of my favorite Rumble moments like ever. If that, if not the my most favorite Rumble. I'm a huge Cinemark. So, yeah. I, uh, uh, Brian called me. <clears throat> I didn't watch that live. Brian called me or texted me uh, and asked me if I saw it. And I said no. And, and he told me to get on it. So I downloaded it and I watched the whole thing. And I remember just watching that moment and freaking out. You downloaded it. Do you want to admit that on the uh, podcast? I downloaded it to my computer from pay-per-view, Viewer's Choice. I was watching Viewer's Choice at the time, and I downloaded <laughs> it. Okay, Ray. Uh, me again? Are you ready to like amp it up a little bit here? Let's give us... Uh... Okay, all right, guys. Listen, listen. Apparently, these lists, like I said, are a little different, so I'm, I'm going to have to riff a little bit here and go off the cuff. <laughs> <laughs> very subjective these lists but I'm going to come I'm going to circle back around to some of the other ones I have uh, so but you know when, when you would think when you were saying the Cena thing for some reason I don't know why I thought about this uh, but you remember when uh, New Jack we've, uh, from ECW when they're in the ECW uh, pay-per-view and New Jack took the fall uh, from the top of the scaffolding and uh, I can't remember the guy's name fell on top of his head and gave him a concussion from the top of Talking about Vic Grimes, Vic Grimes, and then he ended up getting Vic Grimes back later on. But before, but Vic Grimes was an accident. But Vic Grimes ended up falling on his head, and I thought he was I, dead. I can't watch that again after watching it. Once. He looked dead. He was one of the most gruesome things I've ever seen um, in pro wrestling. Holy shit! That's what I said. Yeah, it's like similar, but not really to the Foley off the cell because you know as spectacular as Mick Foley going through the table at ringside was there was the table there it looked like there was some effort put into making sure that you know he didn't die falling uh-huh. off the top of the cage but yeah the the scaffolding with uh, New Jack and Vic Grimes it looks like there was no care put into <laughs> the no there wasn't the uh, scaffold which is the receipt later on where New Jack legitimately threw him off and tried to kill him or he said yeah. he tried to kill crazy. him it was crazy. It's stupid. It's, it's hard to watch. I can't yeah. watch it. It's, right. it's like the notebook at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Do we know what pay-per-view that was? The ECW pay-per-view? 
I feel like it was one of the first ones that they started televising on actual pay-per-view. Um, like it was one of the more legitimate ones because it was towards the end of the run where like there wasn't the best guys there. Um, but I can't uh, remember the name of it. We'll look that up or let us know at the WPAN on Twitter uh, about the New Jack, Vic Grimes, Scaffold, uh, big old tumble to the floor and near death shit. But yeah, I would say that's a holy shit moment. I, I don't know yeah. if it actually was a holy shit chant. It was probably just like, I would think, just stunned silence after something like that where you know people are just assume that one of them is either gravely injured or deceased. Yeah, I thought Vic Grimes was dead. All right, so guys, we're kind of getting down to nitty gritty here. We're low on time, so we should really kick this into high gear, maybe go around once more, and then we'll go to our number ones. Okay, good, 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 good. Let's do it. Brian, hit it. You want older or newer? Older or really older? Older. Jake the Snake making his cobra bite Macho Man's arm. Uh, uh-huh. Now we're getting there. Now we're there. See? All right. There we go. That's a good one. Saturday night's main event, right? It was either that or a challenge. I, I, I'm not 100% positive uh, when it, exactly it happened, but it was quite the visual, and the thing would not let go of um, Savage's arm at all. Yeah, I think uh, Jake was shaking it, hoping to get it loose, but it just kind of made him dig in further, right? It's pretty insane. Did Jake say he smacked it? On purpose, he was he, he deliberately tried to get it hot, like hotter than it yeah. needed to be. Yeah, because Savage wanted to make sure that it was actually going to bite him. Yeah, and then it wouldn't let go. That was good, iconic. Holy shit! That is holy shit right there. Holy shit, yeah. indeed. <laughs> uh, Brian, one more before you get to number ones. Hit me one more. What about Vince McMahon on Raw and Nitro simultaneously? You fucking dickhead! Uh-oh. That was your number one. <laughs> that's not my number one that was just a random one on there well go on michael tell me about it i mean i remember turning on tnt that night to watch what turned out to be the final nitro and the first scene is just vince mcmahon backstage i mean something you thought you'd never see in a million years it was something that you know you saw reported that this was happening but you had no way you had no idea that it was actually happening until that first thing when that faded up and you just see Vince McMahon right there on your TV screens on TNT. It was, yeah, it was, that was an unbelievable moment. Just something that you never thought was possible until it actually happened. And then, of course, he gobbled up WCW and just flush it down the shitter. <laughs> In a sense, yeah. It was a really surreal moment um, that f- opening scene and then the very end of nitro and raw had that simulcast of the same thing being on both channels which was pretty amazing i didn't take in i at the time i mean i guess you probably with a lot of things you don't think about how insane at that moment it is like years later even to think about it now how crazy that that one moment is but yeah i remember being thinking the same thing that it was just surreal we'd get together every monday and watch raw with a bunch of my friends and just seeing all that, and then just you couldn't believe what was going on, and, and like, and it was again the same thing. No internet wasn't the same, so it was difficult to kind of you wouldn't you couldn't even have your phone to immediately Google what's going on and go on Twitter what what's going on, and, and then to find out until like you know a couple of days later or maybe a day later. But yeah, absolutely crazy moment. Yeah, you get kind of lost in the moment sometimes of some of these things, and don't get to 
really realize how much of like a holy shit moment it actually is. Yeah. Sorry for taking your number one, Crockett. Did you have a backup? Oh, yeah. I got plenty here, kid. Don't you worry. Okay, good. How about this one? 2002. I mean, this is kind of the reverse of what you just talked about, Brian, when you stole Oh, I, I, I think this is on my list, too. Yeah. How about... He's back! <laughs> Eric Bischoff showing up on Monday Night Raw. That yes. was something you thought you'd never see. That was an amazing moment. It's still like... I get it, but I don't. It baffles me that they showed him backstage before they showed him live out in front of the audience. Oh, yeah, they did, didn't they? That's the only thing that's really weird about that whole moment to me. But they wanted to get people to talk about it and call people or tell people to turn it on so they can see the moment when he came back out after the commercial break. But it was really, really, really surreal. Now, how do you feel about the whole thing with Bischoff coming out and hugging Vince McMahon. Did you feel like that was a missed opportunity there right off the bat? Well, what did you think they should have done? Like gone against each other or something? Yeah, it should have been Bischoff versus Vince. I think the hug was more of the shock than just him being, than even just him being there. Ray, what were your thoughts on that at the time? It was all right. Yeah, I really can't. See, the thing is, uh, at the time, I was 110% loyal to WWF. I wouldn't watch. I mean, I, I I wouldn't. My friends, when I would watch with them, they'd flip over and I would be like, yeah, whatever. And, and then push to get WWF back on. But for the most part, 100% WWF. I knew what was going on in WCW, but it wasn't until years later that I was able to rewatch stuff. But at the time, Eric Bischoff meant nothing to me. So other than the fact that he was just a face and a personality in WCW, nothing. It was just like, oh, okay, and this guy's on TV and I know who he is, kind of. Uh, but I was so loyal to WWF, it did nothing to me. That was nothing. Nothing. Are you just trying to downplay to make yours sound better? (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm just saying it wasn't a holy shit moment for me. It was like, all right, the owner or the the pretend owner or whatever, uh, because at the time, I don't think I knew who he really was. But at the time, the pretend owner was was on WWF TV, and it was just another thing that was going on. You believe this guy, Brian? Not for a single second. Who's that? Holy okay moment. All right, so we're going to number ones. Let me give you one more. Let me try to at least uh, get Ray on my side here before we go to our number ones. Okay. All right. I'm listening. Here's one more. This is the move that Raven said is the greatest, single greatest move in professional wrestling history. Wonder if it's on my list. Could be. It's from TNA. Oh, no. Wow. Okay, not what I was thinking at all. Turning point 2004, I mean, a lot of this stuff runs together. A lot of it is forgettable. And this moment has probably been forgotten. But Raven raves about it. And I'm going to rave about it here as well. Is this a cage match? Yes. Okay, I, I know where it is now. Yeah. Elix Skipper, speaking of WCW, one of the guys from the dying days of that promotion then went to TNA, and he did something that, I mean, you have to go stop this podcast right now, go to YouTube, and type in Elix Skipper Cage Walk. Because what this guy did, it could have gone so horribly wrong, could have been, like, he could have ended up like uh, New Jack and Vic Grimes there. Because he was 
setting up on the top of this cage. It is the six sides of steel is what they call it in TNA. But he got up. First of all, even getting up, standing up on top of that cage with nothing to really grab onto is a feat among itself. But he got up on top of this cage and Christopher Daniels was seated on the cage like two sections away. So what he did was he got up, set himself up on his feet on top of the cage and literally like tightrope walked all the way over to Christopher Daniels, like turned a corner and went over to Christopher Daniels and jumped up onto his shoulders and gave him a hurricane rana off the top of the cage to the mat below. It was crazy. I mean, those cages too were super tall. I mean, it was no 15 foot. It was way up there. And this, like this feat was just unbelievable. And no one really remembers it. I don't even know if you guys remember. Do you remember it, Brian Fury? hundred percent. I give you major props for digging this one out because it definitely wasn't anywhere near the top of my head. But as soon as you started talking about it, it clicked right in and I knew exactly what it was. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. Like the run across the top of the cage, not falling at all, not falling. And that could have gone horribly wrong. He could have fell to the outside and missed the ring completely. Like, and then hit that hurricanrana and both of them land. Like it was, it was fantastic. Did you see this Ray? I did. I did. Uh, I believe I watched that live or I watched that pay-per-view. That whole match was crazy. There was so much blood. And that match. Uh, and yeah, that that was one of those things that they'll show for DNA for like forever. Uh, where he walks across that. He wasn't to, was it to Christopher Daniels, though. I believe it was Christopher Daniels. He did it to. I thought he did it to the out one of the other guys, the outlaw guys, whatever those guys were. America's Most, <sighs> America's wanted. most wanted. Yeah, I think he did it to one of them. Uh, but I, I remember that, that match and that was that ma- that in the, the AJ thing. Where the the belt was hanging off the the, the middle of the, the ring, that was the other moment I think in TNA that I never forget. I think he did like the the Styles Clash in the middle of the the ring from the top of that rope that suspended the belt. Uh, that was the other ultimate thing. X match, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was that was pretty cool too. Yeah, I also remember the bump he took where he was. I think he was hanging from the middle and was drop kicked. I think, and he did like an inside out bump. Yeah, mm-hmm. the front flip bump off there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Greatest. Yeah. Greatest in the world. So there were a, lot, a, a few of these from TNA, and uh, yeah, they're kind of since you know it's Impact now, and a lot of these are kind of forgotten. But like I said, go mm-hmm. out of your way, Elix Skipper, E L I X Skipper Cage Walk. Look it up on uh, YouTube and just be amazed. Uh, Ray, is that? Am I doing a little better now? That was good. Yeah, yeah. People forget how good TNA used to be. That was like a thing. I mean, it was kind of like AEW now, but probably better because they could do a lot more and, and you know, the I don't know it was it was really good at that time and that that moment was definitely a holy shit moment that was a good one yeah thank you Ray yeah all right now who wants to go first with their number one holy shit moment in professional wrestling history don't all jump at once go for it Raymond G- give us your number right. one listen I'll go first because mine's probably the worst because apparently you guys don't get very jacked up about certain things. You just like some old guy walking on TV is a big deal. That's cool. Uh, (laughs) So mine is, uh, I'm going to go to an in the ring moment. Okay. Uh, This is a, this is an in the ring moment. So this is, you guys can't give me any crap about it. And I'm pretty sure this is a wrestling lore. And this, this is, this is a pretty big moment in wrestling history. I'll take you back. 1996. 
Hmm. The Wonderland Ballroom in Revere, Massachusetts. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Okay. I know exactly where you're going. Okay. A 17-year-old Eric Kula steps into the ring to wrestle New Jack and the gangsters. Uh, and he proceeds to get the shit kicked out of him. And New Jack give, uh, goes ahead and cuts him, gives him color that... Uh, this, you know, if you know the story, he was supposedly discussed back. It went to the courts. It was a whole big thing. Uh, supposedly, New Jack was uh, he was asked to cut uh, Eric and then uh, ended up getting cut. And then he bled like a pig. Holy shit. They had to take him to the hospital. And this ended up going to the courts. And this ended up he almost got ECW shut down because the kid was underage. And he ended up getting the he had snuck in uh, by Tiny the Terrible, if I'm not mistaken, ended up getting him uh, work there. And he ended up almost dying. Coincidentally, well, another why this would be holy shit for me is I went to school with Eric and Justin. And after this happened, that Justin was a little bit younger. After this happened, he got teased at school. People would leave poster boards of, of like toasters and like forks that they would draw and put it on his car because a new Jack stabbed him in the head with the fork. So they teased Justin and, and for relentlessly for some time back in 2002, uh, Eric actually ended up dying because he ended up going in for that bypass surgery because they were both huge individuals. This kid was like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, and he was probably 380. Big, big kid. And he was only 17. And uh, he went by the, the, the name Mass Transit. And it goes by the Mass Transit Incident. So for me, that's holy shit. It's not for you guys. F off. <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty good one. I mean, yeah, the story right. behind it was that, uh, yeah, this kid, Eric Kulas, Mass Transit, went to the show i think you're right with tiny the terrible he uh, approached paul Heyman. said he was looking for work he said he i think he said he was 18 i think and yeah he said he was trained by killer kowalski which wasn't true mm-hmm. and uh yeah i think he agreed backstage to be cut by new jack who ended up just cutting him fucking ear to ear yeah um, it, yeah it was uh pretty disgusting and the tape was only available for like a day before you know everything blew up and they pulled it away because you know they didn't want people to see it and uh, a friend of ours mucko he like ordered the tape i think like as soon as he was able to and he actually was one of the few people to actually get a tape of the incident and yeah it went to a whole uh, court case it was a whole it was a whole deal and uh uh okay ray thank you thank you that was a holy shit moment i agree Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I, you know what? I think you can still you should tell, you can get that on YouTube now. But you're right. You couldn't find that tape. You can find that clip anywhere. It was sealed. Yeah, it was disgusting too. And the and the kid's dad was there at ringside, just like he's only, he's 17. only seventeen. Stop. Yeah. Yeah. I had detention with that kid. Yeah. You know what? He was an asshole. So whatever. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Whatever. <laughs> Rest his soul. Whatever. But he was an asshole. Him and his brother both. Oh boy, Brian! Did you uh, see this thing or hear about it? Like I've never seen it. I've only heard about it. I don't think I want to see it. I've heard enough about it, especially it being up here in the Northeast and different people being around it and stuff. Yeah, it's, I'm not not interested in seeing something as disgusting as that. No, no, thank yeah, I know you. It was, it was Rich Palladino's first show announcing free CW. <laughs> yeah, imagine that. <laughs> Welcome to chaos. <laughs> Holy shit! Holy shit! All right. Um, I'll let you go, Michael. I'll let you go. Oh, this better be a good one. Yeah, I got like three that I put in order here. So if you say one of them three, then I'll toss the other two out there. Maybe two. you'll go off the beaten path. Who knows? 
Okay. Well, there's a couple of good ones here, but the one I'm going to go with is one that legitimately just shocked me beyond compare. Uh, it was 1991. Oh. I was watching WWF Superstars. Uh, I think it was on, what, 11 a.m., I think. And near the end of the show, Bobby Heenan appears on screen. Oh, this is a good one. It's actually kind of on my list, but yeah, okay. He's talking about ice cream and horse manure. I, I'm flabbergasted. I'm seeing in his arms, in his hand, on WWF TV, is the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. The real world championship. Indeed. And I mean, that's just like unheard of. Years later, we're talking about, you know, Vince appearing on TNT, but this is like the first time I, I could think of, you know, in my years watching wrestling where. Another promotion, not directly acknowledged, but I mean, that's the championship you see on that other TV show all the time. And Bobby Heenan's holding it, and he's saying that comparing Hulk Hogan to the guy that holds this title is like comparing ice cream to horse manure. Comparing this title to the WWF title is ice cream and horse manure. And then at the very end, he says, the man who holds this title, you know, he may be coming soon to the WWF, Ric Flair. And that was just a. Uh, to me, just uh, holy shit. Unbelievable that this yeah. guy, the basically the flagship, the the you know, the icon of the NWA of World Championship Wrestling, Ric Flair, the top guy, the NWA champion, he was still the champion. He hadn't lost the title. He was off their TV and he was coming to the WWF. This was just something that as a kid blew my mind. I couldn't believe this was happening. It ended up being a great run, Ric Flair and the WWF. Of course, they treated him like they should treat him. It's years later, you know, they would bring guys from other companies and wanted to assert their dominance and show that they are better than them, even though they have the guy under contract. Like the whole WCW invasion, we don't have to get into that, but just uh, completely botched. But the fact that they brought in Ric Flair and made him seem like an equal to the guys that in the WWF. That was just a complete win, and it all started with this moment. Bobby Heenan appearing on screen with the NWA World Championship. That is my number one holy shit moment. Your thoughts, Ray? So that moment was, that definitely was a holy shit moment, but that wasn't a moment that I got to experience uh, real time because I was much younger. Uh, but I do... Uh, I am very aware of wrestling history, and I am aware that that was a big-time moment. I've seen it probably a few times, and I think one of the things that I think gets lost is the fact that people, and, and for whatever reason, use the Alundra Blaze moment when she comes up and drops that title uh, into the trash, but then they forget that this really here could have been the beginning, right? This could have been the Monday Night Wars right here, bringing that title on WWE TV, WWF TV like that could have been like sh firing uh, shots right there. Brian, what did you think of this? Were you watching this at the time? I was watching WWF at the time, but I... I didn't realize, I didn't know who Ric Flair was. I didn't know that was like the NWA title at the time. I'd probably seen it in like some of uh, the after mags, but I hadn't like, I wasn't a regular watcher of the other product. So I just thought it was exactly what WWF TV portrayed him to be. Somebody else coming in saying he's the real champion and, and so on and so forth. It wasn't obviously until years later till I really realized exactly what it was. And I mean, it was on my list, um, but it definitely it wasn't one of my top three that I have here. 
I mean, it still works, even if you don't know that it is the NWA World Heavyweight right. title. I mean, it's it's obviously for you, it was something that was, uh, you knew it was something important, right? Yeah, it was, uh, it was, I mean, this guy, and then he backed up everything that he said when he was there, you know, he, winning the Rumble and everything else. Like, he was, he was everything that a heel could have and should have been at that time. And he, it, it was, it was definitely really, really cool. But but looking back on it and the history of it, it's amazing and fantastic. Yeah. Probably could have used better choice of words, too, other than horse manure. Horse manure. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to hear Brian's. Oh, my goodness. I can't wait to hear this. You wanted this moment. You asked for it. You wanted to go last. You better bring it here. What is yeah. your number one holy shit moment? Right, I don't so know. I'm going to Jericho appearing on Raw either. Please. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you my top three. Yeah, three, Ray. Number three. I'm excited. Number three. I don't need to go into it. Okay. Number three, Montreal Screwjob. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's a holy shit moment. Big work moment. At the time, did you know it was a big thing, or were you just confused like everyone else? I was confused, but angry because obviously I was a huge Bret Hart fan at the time, and I remember telling people at at work that whole day on Sunday that. Bret Hart was going to beat Shawn Michaels and blah, 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 so on and so forth, and just stunned and confused and didn't know what the hell was going on afterwards. All right, number two and number one are tough. Uh But number two... There we go. Saturday Night's main event. Okay. Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant. Mm. Oh, yeah. Hulk Hogan gets covered by Andre one... Two shoulder clearly goes up. Referee still counts three. As a kid, I'm going, "What the hell is going on?" You know, I'm chanting, "Holy shit!" You know, like you know, because it was a moment. And all of a sudden, another referee that looks exactly like the referee in the ring comes down, <laughs> and they're arguing. And I am a kid watching this, stunned, shocked, totally freaked out. To this day, it's one of the best angles ever on television for like a finish and something like that and what an amazing surreal moment that was the two Hebners on saturday night's main event how much for the plastic surgery (laughs) yes yes the billion dollar man uh (laughs) must have paid for it all yeah and the the fact that hogan was crying afterwards in the uh the post-match promo uh, i mean they for some reason like in modern times they've had like john cena especially he when he went loses the title he's just like eh, i lost the title but this is like a really you see how much this title meant to hulk hogan in that moment right that's for you right <laughs> oh yeah absolutely i'm sorry yeah uh, it's Hulk Hogan, I didn't see, again, same thing. I I, remember, I know the moment. I've seen the moment. Uh, it, it's I didn't watch it live, but I I didn't know about it until actually later on, and I had to rewatch the moment. I, I didn't hear a big deal about it, but I never knew there was two Hebners. It, it, it's a crazy moment to actually, uh, I'm not sure if other people knew that, that, that there were two ref Hebners that looked exactly alike, uh, but to me, I, I never knew it. It was a great spot. Okay, so Brian Fury, you've got... Uh... 1B, you've got 1A, now your actual number one holy shit moment. Originally, I was going to say the night Kimono wanted to lay a dance to top of the uh, arena, but it's pretty rain blew that earlier. Unfortunately. Uh, so, April 6th, 2014. Uh-huh. WrestleMania 
30, Brock Lesnar pins The Undertaker and breaks the streak. Complete, utter silence in the entire arena. The original time it happened, the bell never even rang because they didn't know what was going on. You get that infamous meme of that guy in the front row with the huge bug eyes just shocked. Everybody in the house watching couldn't believe what was going on. That is the ultimate holy shit moment ever in professional wrestling for me. Yeah, and I really don't think there was a holy shit champ because it was just absolute stunned silence. We're to the point where everyone thought something went wrong, I think. Yeah, I thought something went wrong. Do they know about it? Like, so I, like I heard later on that like even it was kind of called right then and there, and then I heard different things that like maybe it wasn't, and that, that they knew going into up to it. But uh, I've heard different versions of it. That that's kind of why it was done the way it was. That no one knew what was going on. The ref, the bell, the whole thing, because it wasn't until like right before they went out that they found out how it was going to go. It was just one of those things. It was a foregone conclusion. Undertaker's streak would live on forever, and it certainly mm-hmm. wouldn't be. A part-timer like Brock Lesnar to be the guy that would break it. Something along those lines. And, man, wow. What what a moment. That was one of those things where, you know, if you were watching it live and you were into it, like, it was just, there was nothing like it ever. It was just such a weird, surreal moment. And the stunned look on everybody's faces and the silence. The commentators didn't know what to say. Nobody knew what to do. Paul Heyman was the only one that was like reacting. It was just fantastic. Yeah. You don't see that much in the crowd. How, how dead that crowd was silent. It's very difficult to get that kind of reaction where it's silent on that, on that, on WWE TV or like that. But yeah, you don't get that reaction. Probably. I don't, I don't know how you would ever get that reaction again. Now fury five years later, you think it was the right move. I'm still fine with it. I was cheering. I stood up on the back of the couch and I was like, freaking out about it like after like that initial shock wore off and i think brock's the guy like i think it helped make brock that much bigger of a person over these last couple years um to be at the level that he's at versus do it for somebody else and then what would like who who else could they have do that who else could they have beat him like or just keep it forever uh either one of those other scenarios kind of almost feels anticlimactic, but I'm glad that he was the guy that did it. And I think that him doing it more than anybody else, it had to be him. I think Ray, you think it was the right thing to do? I think it was, I think it was the right thing to do. I love Brock. Um, there was always a thing of who was going to beat it. You know, it was kind of a, a talk that we would have. Uh, and I remember thinking the Cena, would be the only one close that that would even come close to being able to beat him. That would be believable. That would follow it. Other than that, nobody could beat him. Brock makes a lot of sense though. I mean, if you think about it and, and I, I, I want to believe with everything in me because it's still real. Damn it. That they've been planning that since Brock lost that UFC fight years before. And he walked up and Taker was like in the middle of the interview. He's like, hold on. He was like dead stare. And he was like, won't go. And everybody, like, what? What's going on? <laughs> and then, we gonna like, do this? Yeah, it was the and I swear, I just want that to be the beginning of it, and them saying years from now we're gonna come and we're gonna build to this. But you know, but that if that was it, that was even more of a holy shit moment. So I think we all brought it. Holy shit moments, even you, Ray. 
Thank you. Thank you. I wanted to start small and I wanted to build. You should see the list I had to throw away because you guys were going so tame. So I was like, all right, I got to tone this down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ray, were there any other tits on your list? Like Mae Young's, perhaps, from Royal Rumble 2000? Uh, no, no big tits on my list. I had the cat was probably a holy shit moment. I think for everybody, I was expecting kind of someone to say that one. That was a pretty good one. Uh, I was expecting, cause you said no one really went off, uh, off, off script or not off script, but all out of ring really. So like, I mean, I expected kind of like the big ones. Um, and then, you know what? The other big, o- the Owen Hart one's pretty big. No one said, but I don't know how we were going with that, but that's yeah, just pretty massive. Yeah. Gonna go that route, yeah. Yeah, the dogs are in the enclosed pool area. I gotcha. So, but yeah, those are pretty some pretty big moments. I think uh, Ryan's <laughs> right. I think that Brock one's a big deal. <laughs> I can't believe you just threw that in there. I know what that is, but I'm not gonna touch it. What the Brock moment? We just went over it. No, no, the other thing that you said. Never mind. Never mind. Well, thank you. That was a good summary there, Ray. Okay. Um, thank you. And I'm sure there's many holy shit moments that we forgot. So let us know out there. Tweet us at the WPAN on Twitter with your take, with your holy shit moments. We'd love to hear them. Use the hashtag WPAN. Or another way you can do that is call the voicemail line. Call 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-WPAN. Let us know your favorite holy shit moments. Call the voicemail line 401 584 9726. Before we move on here, let's just talk for a second about booking the territory with Mike Mills, Hard Buddy Harper, and Doc Turner. They do two podcasts a week, Sundays and Thursdays, the Smoky Mountain Show and the Jim Crockett Promotion Show. MikeMills.podbean.com for all of the uh, goodness from the unprofessional wrestling podcast. Booking the territory and Fury. Have you gotten your review from last week yet? Got it today. Got it today. How'd you do? Thumbs up. He said I did well, and then he laughed about it because I, I called him out on air for for sending me a message every time I'm on. So he had to make sure he did it again. Well, I mean, you, I wasn't going to, but then you did. So yeah. Thanks, Mike. Looking forward to hearing from you next week. All right. How about our vantage point? The retro wrestling podcast is basically the northern version of Booking the Territory with Lil Joe Murata and Big Michael Quinn. They talk about uh, all the stuff, mostly WWF over there. Go to OVPpodcast.com for the latest from our vantage point. And greetings from Allentown with PW, Peter Winston. They talk about, he talks about one single episode of wrestling television and uh, brings all of his own. All the stuff that's going on in his head just spits it all out there. Greetings from Allentown. A great podcast. Very quirky guy, PW, and he puts out a great product. So check out Greetings from Allentown and the Rundown Wrestling Podcast with Jason Stewart, Adam Salzer, all the rest over there on the Rundown Wrestling Network, rundownwrestling.com for all that information. So listen and enjoy. Guys, it is time for this week's promo about nothing. But before we get into that, Brian Malonis is hitting the highways, byways, and airways. Chris Crossing this great nation of ours, plying his trade as a professional wrestler. And he has dates as I fumble and bumble through my phone to find them. This coming weekend, the 6th, 7th, and 8th, Kingpin Brian Malonis, the brawler Brian Malonis, I should say, of the bouncers will be 
working for Ring of Honor. It is the Global Wars, a spectacular series of events in Dearborn, Michigan on the 6th, in Chicago, Illinois on the 7th, Milwaukee, Wisconsin on the 8th. It is ROH and CMLL, the Mexican Lucha Libre promotion, combining forces for Global Wars. So check out ROH the 6th, 7th, and 8th this coming weekend, ROHwrestling.com for tickets and card information. The 21st of September. Real quick before you go to the 21st, I texted Malonis today and I asked him if he wanted to come over and watch the opening night football festivities because it's the Patriots versus the Steelers in week one. I try to get together with them on that game every year so we can just rip on each other the whole time. And he said, sorry, I'm in Milwaukee that night. I'm a top guy. That was what his text back to me was. Really? Yep. So one piece of shit because he's not going to be able to do that but two he's a piece of shit from calling himself a top guy I'm going to throw that out there I agree he should get a shirt that says that <laughs> put it on brianmalonis.com alright the kingpin is going to be September 21st at Lucky Pro Wrestling in Clinton Massachusetts check out uh, Lucky Pro's uh, social media for details on that great event and the 27th and 28th of September Ring of Honor comes back to Las Vegas. It's death before dishonor. I think it's a pay-per-view and then a TV taping in Las Vegas. Check out ROHwrestling.com for the details. September 27th and 28th. And getting into October, he'll be back in New Orleans on October the 12th for Ring of Honor. And the 19th, October 19th, he returns to Atlantic Pro Wrestling in Newburyport, Massachusetts, of course, Find Atlantic Pro Wrestling on Facebook and Twitter for the details on the big event coming to Newburyport. And if you want to book the Kingpin, the brawler, Brian Malonis, email brianmalonis at comcast.net or DM him on Twitter at Brian Malonis. And Brian Fury, the uh, big event, Summer Chaos is in the books. But what is next for Chaotic Wrestling? September the 20th in Woburn, Massachusetts. Come see all the fallout of what just happened at Summer Chaos. And also one other date I want to toss out there. Tuesday, September the 17th. That is Ray's birthday. So if everybody oh. wants to uh, hop on social media, find Ray if you can. Uh, happy birthday. Uh, I'm not sure if that's correct. I'll have to check into that. That is your actual birthday, not your half birthday. Uh, we'll look into that. I appreciate the offer, though. Can you tell him where you can find me? I don't have as long of an introduction as Brian Malone's or an outroduction as Brian Malone's. Holy shit. But I did go on and buy one of those brawling Mastodon shirts. Uh, that's a pretty awesome shirt. So I'm going to wear one of those. You can't really find me anywhere except on Instagram if you're going to plug me. But that's all I got. Where are you on Instagram? I think it's uh, kids. <laughs> Is it K Fabian or... Uh, okay, Fabian's my uh, IG tag. K-A-Y-F-A-B-I-N. The real and the only one. <laughs> All right. This week's promo about nothing comes from the year 1985. And we're heading back to the World Wrestling Federation, the WWF, where Mean Gene Oakland is standing by with a couple good old country boys. Oh, okay. Hillbilly Jim and Uncle Elmer. And Hillbilly is introducing a new member of his family to WWF audiences, Cousin Junior. So let's go right now to this week's promo about nothing. 
Let's bring our cousin out here, Dave. We want you to cousin. meet him. Yeah, we, we think you everybody needs to see him. You got your uncle here, now a cousin? Well, cousin, we think everybody ought to meet this fellow. He's some sort of a critter. Uh, Junior, would critter. you come here with you a second? Critter. Junior? Oh, my word, my word. Boy, I'll tell you what, you folks got a lot Stand in common. Right this is man right here. Behave yourself. Okay. How you doing, Mr. Oakland, sir? Well, just very, very good, uh, Cousin Junior. Welcome to the World Wrestling Federation. Nice to meet you. Good to meet you. Let me boy, tell you about, tell me about this there. old boy. Well, I'm going to yeah. tell you all something. That's the fishiest fool you ever seen. I remember back when he was a little bit, that's enough for Junior. Oh, I remember okay. back when he was a little bit younger, he could get down okay. to them creeks, he could reach right down and catch them catfish and pull them out. And we'd take With him, his bare hands? With his bare hands, we'd take oh, him down to Elmer's house, and we'd skin him live. We sure wouldn't have the offers cook that you ever seen. And, what, and let me tell you something, what a climber he is. Boy, you mean you skin that, a fish alive? We skin them alive. That's kind of a sick thing. You're supposed to snap them over the head before you clean them. Oh, that's some, you read that in some book somewhere. Skin them alive. Like he did. Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, you ought to see him climb a tree. Was it when make he, him taste better he, or what? Well, yeah, he just keeps it all in there where you can do more things with them, you know. Just make sure you cut that mud vein out there. That's you know? the vein. <laughs> that makes him taste just a little better. That's right. That's right. Let me tell you something. This fellow here, when he was nine years old, he climbed a tree quicker than a, what do you got there? Quicker than a squirrel with his toenails and his finger. You should have seen him getting that bark up through there. Do you remember when you did that? Yeah, I remember. I used to swing out over them hills and hollers on them old grapevines. <laughs> Boy, I used to have a whole gun. I used to have the best time in the world down there. What, what you chewing, Junior? Well, my chew, I'm chewing gum. Oh, good. I just some folks come out here, they chew something. <laughs> well, they it's chew. Super bubble gum. Super bubble gum. Yeah. Big old thing about that big. Hey, that's a very colorful hat you've got there. Well, thank you. Well, I'll tell you, that is, uh, is there any chance that our cameraman can get a, are these medals from any kind of uh, competition, any kind of an event? Well, know, Were you in the Olympics? Well, I know, sir. Just wherever I go, people usually just give me old hat pins. I stick them on there. Well, I'll tell you, they except, look very good. Except this here feather here. I had to chase old, had to chase old peacock about two or three miles to catch oh. it. Well, I, I finally that, caught him. I swear that's a pheasant feather, hey, but go right. Let me tell you something else about yes. this boy. This boy right here can eat the biggest watermelon in Kentucky. Hey, he the no family member for Hillbilly Cousin Junior. What the wow. hell was that? Wow, that was a hell of a promo. There's a, there's a lot going. There's a lot going on there. There's a lot going on. So yeah, you guys couldn't exactly see the footage, but there were. Uh, yeah, you had your Hillbilly Jim. You know what he looks like. Uncle Elmer is like even bigger than Hillbilly, and you know, fatter as well. But they introduce this cousin Junior who makes his debut here in this backstage segment with Mean Gene, which, you know, there have been a few more momentous debuts here in pro wrestling <laughs> rather than being introduced backstage in like this awful interview with nothing happening. It was not a holy shit moment. It was not a holy shit moment when cousin Junior made his uh, WWF debut in a backstage segment with uh, Mean Gene <laughs> Oakland. But uh, yeah, this guy who's a little bit shorter than the two of them and uh, of course wearing the overalls like them and has this funny hat with the feather on it. Uh, yeah, this is... The, I don't... like. It's a peacock about two miles to get that fella. <laughs> he did. He chased a peacock, yeah. Malonis always says, like, what's the point of a promo to, like, you know, get people to spend money, buy tickets? Yeah. What the, what, I guess is the point of this promo is to introduce this. Junior, cousin, cousin Junior. Junior. Yeah. I want to go Google it now, figure out like, what this promo, what this guy looked like, the whole thing. Like, yeah, I want to put eyes on Is anybody, is anybody excited to see him wrestle after this? No. no. Exactly. Mm. I mean, I'd like to see him catch some catfish, maybe. 
I want yeah. to see him climb a, climb a tree. He, apparently, you can do it really fast. He's got nails like a squirrel. <laughs> Hibbley Jim really wanted to get that story out. He like tries to get to it three or four times, and Mean Gene keeps cutting him off. What happened to Mean Gene at the beginning of this? Did he become a member of Hibbley Jim's family? <laughs> what do you mean by that? Well, that was him going, whoa, who is this guy we've got right here? Right? Yeah, yeah, he did have a little bit of a twang, didn't he? His he did. voice completely changed. He became like one of the, like a Hillbilly Jim family member. Do you guys skin your fish alive? <laughs> they bang it over the head. This is one of those things. You know, another thing that just really came to mind was um, like the Academy Awards ending where they just started playing music over the promo to like let them know it was time to go and time to wrap it up. I mean, people wonder. Uh, why they have to script promos some days <laughs> because they get stuff like this where no one knows what the hell's going on uh, and no one's going to do it. It's like a promo that was no need to be even done, but I'm glad it was because I'm absolutely happy that I had to listen to that promo. One might say that it's a promo about nothing. <sighs> okay. I would think so. I get it. And yeah, yeah, This like, uh, to Fury's point, as soon as Uncle Elmer opens his big fat mouth and talks about Cousin G, you're eating big watermelons. The, hit the music. <laughs> Let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> did this man uh, ever wrestle? I believe he did. Uh, his his real name is Larry Keen. He was uh, from the Memphis tor- Territory, just like Uncle Elmer was. Originally, Hibbley Jim was as well. Hibbley uh, had the gimmick Harley Davidson. I think that was in Memphis. But uh, yeah, they're, uh, he wrestled for a little while, and I guess he had some sort of attitude problem from what I read, because he didn't last that long. He was ended up being uh, let go, and they brought in a different cousin, Cousin Luke. Not that Cousin Luke, Brian Fury. Oh. I, see, I see you oh. doing the uh, the Bushwhacker bounce there in your living room. I but uh, immediately uh, ready to give a whoa and a yay. But, yeah, okay. <laughs> a different Cousin Luke came in and replaced uh, Cousin Junior, so he wasn't long for this, but uh, this promo, I guess, just set him off on the wrong foot, I would say. Maybe he was the dad of the Godwins. Wow. Mm-hmm. Maybe Cousin Junior was the dad of Phineas O. Godwin. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. We're going to do the quiz? We're going to five <laughs> five quiz, right? No, there's no quiz. No, <laughs> no quiz. quiz? Oh. No. All right. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's on For the Pops. Thank you to uh, Richard Land for providing this clip. Uh, he is at Masked Wrestlers on Twitter, a great account to follow. He always puts up uh, unique uh, promos, unique matches, situations from uh, the 80s and WWF. So go check out at Masked Wrestlers on Twitter. Make sure you follow that. You've heard this promo about nothing. If you want the full picture, find the link to the video in the description of this episode or at the WPAN.com. Brian Fury, thank you very much for once again stepping up. As always, uh, that's what the permanent guest host does. I, I'll always be here whenever you need me, Michael. Thank you. And Ray, after three plus years, it's wonderful uh-huh. to have you finally make your WPAN debut. Absolutely. I look forward to coming back. Hopefully I can do a recap after uh, I like those pay-per-view shows where you kind of do a follow-up. So I hope I can come back from one of those. Yeah, we haven't done that in like years. <laughs> okay. Well, that's that's... We're bringing it back then, aren't we? We're going to be doing that. But we're coming up on it. We'll have to if we want to get you back. <laughs> That's the only way I'm coming back on. All right. Well, we'll be back right here next Monday for episode 176 of the wrestling podcast about nothing. 
Until then, for the brawler Brian Malonis, we got Brian Fury, we got the Ray, and I'm Mike Crockett. Big ups to Mako, and thanks for nothing. Are we recording right now? Yes, we are. <laughs> yeah, but you're going to edit this part out. All right. Edit, I, I, we edit on this show. All right, good. I didn't really buy a shirt. I was just putting it over. <laughs> <laughs> edit that out.